From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, post-operative IOL modification and optical aberrations after DMAC at ASCRS 2019. So you can actually add multifocality, but you can reverse multifocality if that's a particular problem with the patient. First this. I know many of the audience of As Seen From Here also watch my live conference interviews on ewreplay.org. These brief video programs highlight the most important news from major ophthalmology meetings and number in the hundreds every year. But if you haven't watched ewreplay.org recently, you've got to check it out. iWorld Replay has really upped its game with super video production and fantastic content. ewreplay.org. We've just renovated and we'd love to have you over. I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the annual meeting of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery in San Diego. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts. Today, we hear from Nick Mamelis on post-operative IOL modification and from Michael Greenwood on optical aberrations after DMAC. Nick Mamelis uh, gave a, a really, really interesting talk, an interesting subject. We, I mean, there is so much effort and so much angst over getting the biometry right, uh, getting the implant right, uh, but there, there's, there seems to be this sort of ophthalmologic Heisenberg principle, and we can never get things exact, and there are things that we would like to change after the fact, after a lens is in place. And you're working on technology that can let us do that. Can I have you spell it out? And then I, I have myriad questions. Certainly. It's a very exciting technology. And what this does is this uses a very low-level femtosecond laser, which can actually um, change the power of an intraocular lens that's already inside the eye. And so what the laser does is the laser can focally change the hydrophilicity of an implant. It's subsurface, and so it's down about 50 microns below the surface, and you can actually change the power of the IOL that's inside the eye. That's very important now, especially in this era when people have had refractive surgery, they've had LASIK, they've had RK, now they're old enough that they're getting cataracts, and no matter how well we do the measurements, incorrect lens power is still one of the common reasons for having to exchange an IOL. So, Nick, for, first of all, the, this is, I mean, I, I, I can't I can't revisit the cataract surgery and put in some special modifiable lens. Is this a technology that is agnostic to the lens that the patient has? Exactly. This can be a technology that can be done on a lens that's already inside the eye, a standard hydrophobic acrylic IOL, and even um, probably hydrophilic acrylic IOLs will be able to be corrected with this particular technology. Now, I, I, I'd like to sort of get in, in, the, in the weeds here. I, I want to know how, how this works. So the, the femtosecond laser is not reshaping the lens. There's no ablation that's taking place. It's creating areas within the existing IOL that have a refractive index 
that's different from the medium that surrounds them? Correct, correct. And so what the laser does, there, there's an ingenious technology, it's called a phase wrapping technology. And basically, what it allows is it allows uh, a high change in, in the power of an IOL with a minimal change on the surface. So if you were trying to change the surface curvature of the IOL, you wouldn't get as much of a um, change in the actual IOL power. But when you do phase wrapping, it's akin to a Fresnel prism that people are used to using on patients who have misalignment of the eyes where um, this will do phase wrapping and this will allow a large change in the power of an IOL without changing the actual surface curvature much. So more bang to the, for the buck, if you will. Now, I, I enjoy very much doing, doing femtosecond laser cataract surgery. It's the vast majority of the, of the cataracts that I do. And I know that when I do a, a, a capsulotomy cognitively, I know that there are individual pulses being made, but it looks to me like there is this continuous curve. What I want to know is for the individual, for one of a better term, spots, uh, in the intraocular lens. Does that form a continuous surface or are these little vacuoles? What, it, it, what's it like? It's almost continuous when it goes around. It's very close together and as the laser goes around there'll be continuous circles, concentric circles that'll be put on with this phase wrapping technique and so it will give an appearance when you look at the IOL under light microscopy of, of continuous rings basically subsurface on, on the IOL. Now the, the whole point of the technology is to alter the refractive index within a part of the lens sufficiently that the, the refractive outcome is, is different. That means that there, there, there has to be some relatively substantial difference between the refractive index of the treated area and the non-treated area. That introduces an interface between the two. How concerned do I have to be with scatter from this interface? Well, what we did is, in the laboratory, we wanted to look in, in vitro at the possibility of any particular changes. So we actually treated IOLs. We did light scattering studies and found that there was no significant difference between a treated lens and a non-treated lens. We looked at the MTF functions and, again, found no significant difference. We also looked at, at any difference in terms of light transmission. And again, minimal difference between a treated lens and a non-treated lens. And so we did not find any significant issues with the quality of vision that you're going to be seeing through the lens when we look at them in the laboratory. Now, Nick, you, you bring up my, my, my three favorite words, which are, are, are modulation transfer function. <laughs> uh, so you, this technology, if I understand you correctly, is capable not only of changing the spherical power of the, of the lens, but it can make a monofocal lens multifocal. So in essence, you can tailor the modulation transfer function with this laser? Exactly. What you can do with the laser is not only can you provide spherical cylindrical correction, but you can also add multifocality to an IOL. Now, similarly, if you have a patient who already has a multifocal IOL and they're having significant vision, vision issues, dysphotopsias, glare, halos, and they can't function with that, you can actually reverse multifocality. We've done that in the laboratory also. We've added multifocal function but then actually countered it and reversed it. And so you can actually add multifocality, but you can reverse multifocality if that's a particular problem with the patient. So the, how, how much amplitude of change can you get? For, for example, can I give up doing biometry and you know put a plus 18 lens in every eye and, and, and adjust them post hoc? You know, I'm afraid it's not going to be that wide, but, but certainly you'll be able to get, just depending on the setting, several diopters of change with this technology without significantly altering the IOL. It's absolutely, absolutely fascinating, absolutely crazy. I mean, there, there are, the, the, this is, I think this meeting 
this year more than in, in previous years. I feel that I'm living in like some science fiction universe. Uh, really, really wonderful stuff. Nick, I want to thank you for, for bringing this really cool topic to us, uh, for, for making what really is a very complicated topic very, very clear, uh, for being so generous with your time, of which I know you have very little. And uh, I want to thank you, our live audience, for joining us for this event uh, with uh, uh, President Mamelis and uh, joining us for our new iWorld Live studio. Thank you very much. I'm here today as a wonderful guest um, with, with Michael Greenwood. You're talking about a really, really interesting subject. Now, we have many conversations, I have many conversations with people of the eye after, after grafting, and it's always about how I'm going to deal with this optical disaster that I've, that I've created. You're talking about quite the opposite. So it is about what goes on optically after, after DMAC, am I right? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Thanks so much for having me, and it's an honor to be here as always. Um, the, you know, whenever you're removing someone's natural tissue and putting in donor tissue, you worry about is this additive tissue going to cause trouble with the optics and decrease their quality of vision. And so we wanted to quantify that a little bit and find out, you know, is it getting worse or is it getting better? Because patients have been doing so well with DMEC uh, anecdotally and in the publications on visual acuity. But we wanted to look at higher order aberrations and see how much does that matter because um, higher order aberrations impact patients' vision, but it also affects what lens choice we're going to use for patients with cataract surgery. So. Uh, Tell me, uh, what, what, well, let me ask you why. Why, why do we care? I mean, why, why were they, they, they're already starting with some pathology and we're making the, the pathology better. Aren't we being just a, a little too precious with the whole process saying, well, now we have to look at aberrations with these patients. Why does it matter? Make, make the case for this. So, um, it's, which is a great question because the one thing that we always focus on is Snell and visual acuity. And when we measure it in the office, it's in a simulated environment under perfect conditions. And that's not real world to patients. Because someone can have uh, a beautiful IOL place, but if they've got Fuchs dystrophy, that light is getting scattered. And even though they can read the 2020 line, or even though if they're driving and they can see the taillights in front of them, it's not clear. So their quality and the contrast sensitivity is decreased, but we're only measuring. Snell and acuity. So we wanted to find out, does it make a difference if someone's got 20-25 vision, but they've got bad Fuchs, does doing a transplant make sense and improve their quality of vision? Yeah, in, in the language of my people, we say that the modulation transfer function is being spread out, but you know, I live on planet of the geeks. Um, Michael, tell me, uh, what, the, the, the study that you did, what we're going to talk about now, what were the inclusion criteria for the study and what were the outcome measures that you looked at? Yeah, so we were looking at patients who had uh, cataract and Fuchs dystrophy who were undergoing uh, cataract surgery plus DMEC. And what we measured was their um, preoperative hyoid aberrations, uh, their visual acuity, and their uh, K measurements or keratometry. And um, they served as their own control. So they, we measured it before surgery and then three months after, after all of their healing had taken place. So uh, you've, you've left me hanging. What did you find? So, uh, so what we found out, and we were, we were a little surprised because we, we didn't know, you know, are these patients' thyroid aberrations going to get better? Are they going to get worse? We were hoping, you know, for better. Um, and what we found out is they stayed basically 
exact same. There was no statistically difference for better or worse on any of the measurements we took. Their internal higher-order aberrations got better, but that was due to taking out the cataract and putting in a pristine lens. But their K-values stayed the same, and all higher-order aberration measurements stayed the same in the cornea. So that that sounds great. Um, I, well, I, I'm, I'm interested, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not poo-pooing anything here, um, I'm interested in what the clinical relevance is. Does this open up uh, other options for these patients? Yeah, so um, most people, and myself included, don't take high-order aberration measurements on a routine basis on cornea patients. But we do it for cataract patients all the time because what we want to know is when we're measuring getting patients ready for cataract surgery, are they a candidate for upgraded technology, the multifocal extended depth of focus lenses? And if they've got really high, high order aberrations, and then you put in a multifocal lens and add that, their quality of vision goes down. But now what we found with this study is, hey, these patients with Fuchs dystrophy, if they've got good measurements pre-op and you do a DMEC, they would be a good candidate for a multifocal or extended depth of focus lens if that's something that they wanted. So now you, you're opening up to another demographic of patients that maybe before with DSEC or PK, obviously, probably didn't have access to that technology. This is wonderful, wonderful stuff. I mean, I love how this starts out, the project starts out in an, in an esoteric vein, but winds up with, with something that is really, really clinically relevant, really practical. You're to be congratulated. You know, I mean, no, I mean, nobody, look, it gives us more options. It gives us more uh, confidence. It changes the conversation uh, that we get to have with uh, our, our patients. Michael, I have o only one last question. It's not a question, it's a favor. Michael, would you show us your socks? I, I would love to. I would love to. You know, we're live at ASCRS, and, uh, you know, to promote it and support it, they give us these great uh, ASCRS socks to promote, and they're stylish. they got great color, and they go with almost anything. They, they've distracted yeah. me during this, this yeah. entire conversation. I want you to know that it's hard for me to stay focused with their, 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 that beauty. Um, Michael, I want to thank you very much for uh, bringing this, 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 this good news to us for being so very generous uh, with your time. And I want to thank you, our live audience, for, join for joining me uh, and Michael uh, with uh, this, this, this exciting news and, may I say, uh, really remarkable socks. Thank you. Uh, honored to be here. Thank you very much. Nick Mamelis is professor of ophthalmology and visual sciences at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, Utah. Michael Greenwood is clinical instructor of surgery at the University of North Dakota School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Fargo, North Dakota. Ask questions of Dr. Mamelis, Dr. Greenwood, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.